0: Welcome to the Keto Lifestyle Podcast hosted by nutritional coach, Jessica Tai, where we are dedicated to promoting health and overall well-being through nutrition, specifically the ketogenic diet. We will provide you with all the latest science in nutrition, interviews with experts in the health and wellness field, and answer all your burning questions so you can find optimal health. This podcast is not intended to be used as medical advice and is to be used for informational purposes only. Please contact your doctor with any and all medical questions. Now here's Jessica. Good morning, everybody. This is your host, Jessica Tai, and welcome to the Keto Lifestyle Podcast. This is episode number 58, and today I am going to do some listener questions. It's been a while since uh, it's been just me, and I haven't had someone to interview So I thought it would be good to address some of these listener questions. I typically will respond to listeners uh, directly, uh, people that send me inquiries or questions, but I like to address some of them that are kind of more common or I think are more unique or I don't know, for whatever reason, I feel like it would be good to address on the podcast. So I think I'm going to do that today and we've got a few different ones that I think will be interesting for listeners. And just a quick catch up on what's developing in my world. So I have some super exciting projects coming up and some uh, very cool things happening um, that I actually can't even really tell you about right now. So <laughs> so that was kind of me in teaser, I guess, right? So I've got... Um, A couple of exciting things. Well, one thing, I can't give you a a location yet, but I am in talks with a couple of different places to do A seminar at and one of them is out of the country that I am very excited about the possibility of doing. So we're just waiting to firm that those details up. So that will be super exciting. So those of you in that area, I will let you know when I'm going to be out there. Um, That might be something kind of cool. If you're interested in um, coming in person, it would be open to the public as well. So, So that would be pretty cool. I'd love to meet you guys, and then um, oh man, I've just I'm just dying to tell you about this other development, but I can't tell you. Um, I will tell you on a on a um, personal note that is really exciting um, for us for our little family and our little farm. Um, I know that if you're keto, it doesn't necessarily mean that you give a hoot about a farm or our life, but this is my life, so um, we have got. For those of you that kind of follow this and follow me and all that you know that we have a little hobby farm that is just down the road from where we actually live and it's where our cabin is that we rent uh, out through like vrbo and whatnot um but anyway that little hobby farm we currently have a um a sheep that was bottle fed so he is super super friendly sweetheart and uh is my daughter's favorite animal out there. And then we have one little pygmy goat, and then we have two fainting goats, and then we have um we added a guardian livestock livestock guardian dog, which right now is just a puppy, so he's not a big guardian, so to speak, but he's getting there. He's um about 14 weeks old and weighs in at about 35, 36 pounds right now. He is a big boy, and he is so sweet. I mean, the sweetest puppy we've ever had. Just total sweetheart. He is a great Pyrenees, and um, just amazing. We love him. That's Luke, and he's um, living full-time at the farm now, so he's loving that. He loves being out there with the other animals. Um, And on Tuesday nights, which is tonight, we take him to puppy class, so that's pretty exciting. It's a lot of fun um, to take him. To puppy class, uh, the kids love that. So we're just doing that for socialization and to make sure that he's trained well, so that when he is 150 plus pounds, that he has manners. Because it's a little bit more difficult to teach them to be respectful and to have manners and to listen when they're 150 pounds than it is when they're a 30 pound puppy. So he is doing excellent. I would say he is the star student in that class. He just listens so well. He walks on the leash perfectly, heals, he will sit. Um, on command he comes on command he will stay we've been working on stay and he's getting really good at that so he's just a really good boy just super sweet and then our latest additions was we added two little barn kitties Uh, one is five months old and one is three months old they're super sweet the five month old is a calico Um, which is a, she's a female. Um, All calicos are females, if you did not know that. So uh, she is a little girl kitty, and she has, she had a traumatic accident when she was little, and we don't know exactly what that accident was, but she lost half of her tail. So she looks like a little bobtail cat now, and then her, all of the claws, all of her toenails on her rear paws were ripped out. So she has no, rear toenails um, but she it does not slow her down as a matter of fact she is the climber at the barn and uh, the other little kitty is a three-month-old boy and he is um, long hair all black and my son named him shadow because he follows you everywhere he is so super sweet and was uh, very malnourished and had an infection uh, respiratory infection when we got him so we have gotten him all fixed up and he is putting on weight now and the respiratory infection is gone and you can just tell he feels so much better. He was just a little bag of bones and now he's got some weight to him and he's just so sweet too. But um, so so our uh, little female Calico, we call her Kiki, Kiki D, but uh, Kiki is um, the climber. So she, even though she has no black back claws at all, she loves to walk around on the tops of all the stalls in the barn. So she will just walk along the edges of all the stalls and she will climb up to the top of the stall. Now, the walls in between each of the stalls are probably about, um, probably about five and a half feet tall. So she literally will climb that five and a half foot tall section with no back claws I don't know how she does it she's super strong and you'll hear her digging her claws her front claws in as she goes up the wall but she loves to do that she likes to walk around um, that way she's got a good vantage point up there and then she gets up in the hayloft and she likes to sleep up there and and watch everything from up there so so she's uh so she's doing really well and whatever trauma happened to her it is not slowing her down at all And they have already brought us a mouse. So we had a little varmint problem out there. Um, We were fine. We never saw the mice and they weren't getting into the food or anything yet that the, you know, the grains and all the animal food out there. But they, we were finding nests. There were no baby mice in any of the nests. But we have a tractor, and twice I got on that tractor uh, to get it going. And when I opened up the um, engine compartment, there was a brand new nest had been built inside. So they were trying to nest. I'm assuming um, we're going to have some babies in there. But I found a mouse the other day that one of the one of the kittens um, killed and left out as a. Uh, as a gift for us, I guess, so, but that's what they're supposed to be doing. You know, they've got to, they've got to keep that barn mouse free. So they're doing a good job. So so that's our latest additions, but the new, the exciting announcement that we have is long story short, we are getting a mini cow. So we are so super excited. So, if you haven't noticed, kind of the theme of our farm is all these miniature animals, except for my dog, which <laughs> the dog will be about the same size as the cow, which is really funny. Uh, but all of the animals, um, we, you know, we kind of keep them on a smaller scale. They're, they're kid friendly, more kid friendly that way. And, um, you know, it's, it's, uh, super important for us with this farm for our little Lily, uh, who has special needs. It's really important for us to be able to allow her to be out there. She loves the animals, Um, She has um, some physical uh, disabilities, so it's difficult for her to balance and walk at times and things like that. So if we have large animals, you know, full-size animals that are, um, you know, could potentially knock her over or not see her or just be a little more rough. So these little guys, um, we're training them, excuse me, training them and raising them to be, uh, you know, just more gentle and cognizant of her. And it's just a little bit easier for her to interact with the animals when they're smaller. So, um, and then we don't have an, a, a tremendous amount of acreage out there. So it also helps us for, uh, management of our acreage to have smaller animals. They don't need quite as much, um, land to graze and, and roam on. So in the spring we will bring home <clears throat> my horse. I have a horse that is in Texas but, um, until then we're just, and that will also be our only other large animal. She is a draft cross. So she is a large horse. She's a Percheron. Um, her mom is a Percheron and her dad was a paint horse. So, um, she is beautiful, but she's about 17 hands high. And, uh, she's just a monstrous horse. She's, um, super cool though so I can't wait to share her with you guys and uh, she's trick trained so she does all kinds of really fun things like bows and she plays dead and she does all kinds of cool stuff but um so anyway this mini cow we kind of <clears throat> this just kind of fell in our lap I had actually um it was on my list of animals that I want to have out there we also want to have a miniature donkey we'd like to have alpacas so there's a few little things that we want to still get out there but just in preparation for getting one they're first of all they're difficult to find they're rare to be able to find them and Just in preparation, I had started doing a little bit of research on where I could get them. I researched the the miniature cows and making sure it was an animal that we wanted to bring onto the farm, and then did some research about. Uh, breeders in the area and places that you could obtain one and lo and behold there is actually uh, a breeder of these mini cows that is about half an hour from our house so I couldn't believe it it was like that's amazing so I reached out to them and just told them that we were going to be on the look for a miniature cow and you know here in the near future probably spring and just wanted to kind of talk to them about how they raise them and, and all that type of thing. So came to find out that he actually had one heifer that was pregnant and didn't know exactly when she was going to give birth, but, um, they had already gone, had already sold all their spring babies and everything and, um, typically have a waiting list for them, but they had this heifer that they found out was pregnant and, um, had not yet, uh, had someone put dibs on this baby, so I said, okay, well, let me talk to my husband and figure it out because we were really thinking spring, and let me just kind of see what we're going to do, and then about four days later, he texted me a picture of the baby and said it was born, and let me know if you want it. I'll go ahead and um, hold it for you. So of course, once we saw the pictures and the video he sent us, we're like, oh my gosh, we have, this is, this is our cow. So, so anyway, so we have now a miniature cow on the way. So he or she, we do not know if it's a boy or girl yet, but, um, so she is a Dexter Longhorn and, um, Zebu Cross so uh this particular, and she's a seventh he or she is a seventh generation, so. Um, it's really amazing. So, they have miniature longhorns uh, and Dexter cattle, which are kind of a small cow anyway, and then Zebus, which are known for being just super sweet and uh, pets, and they're also a smaller type of cow. So, um, but so these cows get get big horns, longhorns, and they come in a variety of different colors and they stay pretty small, like usually around 150 to maybe 200 pounds. And this little guy or girl is currently about 17 pounds (laughs) as a little calf. And, uh, so she is smaller than my dog currently. (laughs) So, um, that just cracks me up. Um, but, but he or she, we will actually have them dehorned just because they may not mean to hurt anybody, but, uh, these, I mean, if you've ever seen a longhorn, so this is like having a longhorn cow, but on a miniature cow body, they get these really long, uh, horns, which, um, we're just afraid could cause some issues. So we will have those removed. Um, before she comes home or he comes home, but, um, we're super excited. She's going to be, we will actually be bottle feeding her and, um, here in, in about a, a few weeks to a month, we'll be, we'll bottle feed her for the last month or so of, um, kind of her nursing, uh, age. And so that will help bond her to the kids and to us. And so we'll see how it goes, but I'll keep you updated and it should be kind of fun. So I think that's about all we have going on. School's in full swing this week and um, just got some exciting things that we're planning um, going forward. So I hope to have some new and exciting announcements for you. And um, again, uh, let's see. Well, I guess that's it. I guess that's the only announcements I have for today. So let me get going on this episode and answering some listener questions. You guys don't need to keep listening to me. Uh, okay, so the first one I'm going to read is an email that came in. And this one says, Hi, Jessica. First, I want to say I love your show and your YouTube videos. Thank you so much. Um, the whole YouTube thing is kind of new to me, and i am not been doing a super good job of putting new ones out there, but I'm working on it. Um, you have helped me so much. I have a specific question about lunches at work though. I need to bring my lunch, but can't heat anything up. I do have access to a fridge. Can you help me come up with ideas? What do you do? Also, I would love to sign up to, oh, I would love to sign up to work with you in your coaching program one-on-one. Are you still taking clients? So, um, Okay, so yes, I am taking clients currently. I have a, a couple of spots that are left. They I opened up last week and filled up very quickly, but I do have a couple of spots uh, that are left. I believe I could take on a couple of more depending on um, which service that you wanted. So if you have information, if you have interest in working with me one-on-one, you can send me an email and I'll be happy to send you my coaching packages. And you can pick from there. And if you're local, I do hands-on uh, functional evaluations and LNT. Um, basically, without going into all the details of what that means, you we could figure out in one session with me basically any minerals or vitamins that you are deficient in and you need help with. Um, it will also tell us any systems that are kind of struggling, whether that's your digestion or your adrenals or detoxification. Um, we work on a detoxification protocol and we work on getting any of the deficiencies that you have back up to speed. Um, we can also work on digestion. We have, I have all kinds of different protocols that, that we would work on, um, after figuring out what you need through that functional evaluation. So unfortunately, if you are a long distance client, I'm unable to do that because I need to get my hands on you. But if you are local and would like to do that, I do have an option of doing that with one-on-one coaching. Or if you just want a functional evaluation and you would like to do some uh, lingual neuro testing and figure out you know, kind of what you're deficient in or what you need to work on, then I am happy to do that as well um, as like an a la carte service. So I can do that. And then you would would go home with, um, with kind of an action plan and you would know what you need. So it would not be ongoing coaching, but you would at least have a jumping off point that you could then move forward. So, um, for some people economically that works better and that's fine. No problem. So anyway, if you need more information on that, send me an email. I'm happy to send you, uh, the, the information on coaching. And so you will have that. And then a specific question is about lunches at work. So she cannot heat anything up, but she does have access to a fridge. So um, that is very interesting because actually in my own office that is exactly the same thing. I do not have access to heat anything up, but I do have a refrigerator. so I can absolutely help with this because it is how I handle it. Um, so typically what I do for lunches is I will at the office is I will take um, avocados. So in my, I have a, a credenza in the office that I have a drawer in there that I keep some plasticware, so plastic spoons, forks, and knives, and then I have my Redmond's Real Salt there, of course, and I have some packets of um, my oils. Right now, I think it's the Bulletproof brand um, oil, MCT oil, but you know it, it varies from time to time um, depending on what I have on, on hand. But that's kind of always in my office in the drawer, so then I will bring in with me avocados or um, hard-boiled eggs are really great to have. You can put those in the fridge, and then you can have a couple of those for lunch. Um, I usually have some cheese crisps at the office. I like the Paleo Valley um, fermented beef sticks. Uh, I like the summer, I think it's called summer garlic flavor. That's my favorite. So those are good things to take. Jerky, um, you can keep some like macadamia nuts or some peely nuts uh, at your desk or your office there. So you can kind of just piece together a little lunch. Um, Salami, I take in packs of salami. If I'm really feeling uh, like I really want to have a big lunch, which I usually don't. If I eat lunch, it's usually kind of a snacky lunch and then, um, I'll eat a bigger dinner. But if you want to eat uh, a bigger lunch, if you, that's something that you'd like to do, then you can always take in like maybe some lettuce leaves, like some bib lettuce or some romaine leaves. And then you could have some lunch meat. And I like to, um, have the leaves and I'll put some uh, mayo inside there. And then I'll put my lunch meat in there and then some cheese. And then I like to put sprouts. So um, you can keep some sprouts in there in the fridge, put those on your sandwich, and then I usually salt it. And then I'll roll kind of roll that up and have that as like a sandwich. So you could do that very easily. Um, you could keep the which the name of it is escaping Oh Holy Guacamole has little guacamole packets that you are like little individual serving size tubs. You could take those in and have some pork rinds at your desk and eat pork rinds and guacamole. And that will fill you up very quickly. I usually cannot even get through a whole one of those individual packs before I am stuffed. So um, that's another really easy thing that you can have at your desk. So pork rinds is a good one. Um, cheese sticks, of course, any kind of cheese that you like, if you do dairy. So those are just a few ideas. Um, some berries, you could have some berries there. Um, so I'm just trying to rack my brain and think of anything else that, I mean, that's kind of, that's pretty much basically what I would have there and, and kind of the only things that I really eat. I guess you could make, um, another thing you could do. Uh, to keep that, you would keep cold and you wouldn't need to heat up, is you could make like an egg salad or a chicken salad or a tuna salad, and you could take that in and eat that on uh, like in a lettuce cup or lettuce leaves. So maybe that would be another thing you could do. All right, so hopefully that helps you. Thank you for submitting that question. Okay, um, next one I have, this was submitted um, on my website. This is from Jody. Um, Jody says, okay, well, actually, this was like a series of emails back and forth. So let me go to this one. Okay, originally, Jody had reached out to me back in July and – I'll just read this really quickly so you get the context. Jessica, first of all, I'm so glad I found your podcast. I did keto for two months a year ago, learning from my friend. I felt awful, and it ends up that she may or may not have known what she was talking about. Your podcasts are amazing. I'm addicted to them. My question, I've seen conflicting information regarding ketone testing. I have the mojo meter in the morning. Some say to do it. Some say don't. I'm only nine days in, and I test anywhere from 0.6 to 1 on various times of the day. But since I'm just beginning, I'm not sure when to test to get a truer sense of whether I'm in ketosis. I would love to hear suggestions. By the way, your electrolyte replacement suggestions, i.e. bone broth, magnesium, potassium to help the keto flu, are amazing. I don't feel like I ever got it. Thank you so much. Um, okay, so then I wrote Jodi back, and I don't think I addressed this on the podcast before, So, but I told her um, basically that I would test in the late afternoon to get the most accurate results. Do it when you haven't eaten for a couple of hours so you can get a more accurate reading. Because if you have like a high-fat meal, for example, you may show a higher ketone reading, but that's not truly what your body is producing. It just may be what is um, you know, when you're doing it, when you're ketone testing with a blood meter, you're just testing what is free flowing in your blood. It doesn't mean that that's actually what you're using necessarily. That is just what it is detecting at that time. So if you eat a meal that's high in fat, specifically MCT oil, you're going to register higher ketones at that time. And that doesn't necessarily mean. Um, that your body's producing higher ketones. So, um, so definitely the best time to test would be in the late afternoon away from eating. So, um, anyway, okay. So then she just emailed me back, uh, like last week It says, okay, Jessica, I'm in kind of freak out mode and wanted to reach out. I've lost 15 pounds in the first five weeks. Now I'm not losing. I am maintaining 140 pounds. I am 5'4". I still feel great, and I am tracking macros still. I'm pretty sure I don't get enough calories in, 1,000 to 1,200. But I'm honestly just not hungry and trying to listen to my body. The highest ketone reading I ever got was 1.8 consistently in, two to, in weeks 2 through 3. Now I am lucky to get a 0. 0.6, or I get low. So if you don't have a Keto Mojo and you're listening to this, it'll tell you low if it's not registering Um Higher than, I think it's 0.5, or no, maybe it's lower. I don't know. Anyway, it tells you low. And so basically, if it's not registering ketones, then that's what it tells you. I am still fat adapted, even though I am. am I still fat adapted, even though I'm getting those readings? I still feel like I'm reaping the benefits of keto—energy, sleeping well, etc. But I can't lose any more weight. Sorry to ramble. I thought I had this figured out, and now I'm questioning everything I'm doing, which is stress and also not good. P.S. I start yoga on Monday, <laughs> so um, great, Jody. Uh, thank you for reaching back out again. And so, basically, it's important to keep in mind, first and foremost, that. Weight loss is not an indicator of whether or not you are in ketosis or if you are ketogenic or if you are doing um, a good job at at eating keto and if you're fat adapted. So, um, and I, I know... Jody perhaps does not believe that, but just for anybody listening, I just want to put that caveat out there that that is not the end all be all. So there are many, many different reasons that that we have weight loss stalls. And I have talked about this on previous episodes of ways you can break through those plateaus, those weight loss plateaus and some things that um, could happen. And so our bodies will, um, that we will have these little plateaus and then things, you know, we need to change things up sometimes and things can happen and, you know, we can get things moving again. And this is, this is normal. This is natural. Uh, it's what happens. And so in testing your ketones, I also want to be very clear, which I've also talked about this before on the podcast and have talked about this in detail, actually. Uh, but, kind of a brief overview, without going into a lot of details on it is when you are testing ketones when you 're testing blood ketones and urine ketones for this matter, um, first of all, it, the whole nutritional ketosis thing of you know you need to be in a certain uh, a certain range of of numbers on the ketone meter which I think, I I honestly don't remember off the top of my head because I don't do this stuff. I don't pay attention to all of this, but, um, to be in nutritional ketosis, there's a certain range that they say you have to be in. I don't subscribe to that belief. Um, there are a lot of reasons that I don't, I've talked about it in the past. There's research out there that will back me up, but the bottom line is, is when you are getting these readings, it is your, your, what you're getting a reading on is the beta hydroxybutyrate that is that is in your blood at the time that you are doing this test. There are many factors that can influence the levels of BHB in your blood. So, um, you could be taking exogenous ketones, which could, um, up, which is, it's going to up the ketones in your blood. You could have just had MCT oil, which will up the ketone reading the, the beta hydroxybutyrate in your blood. You could, um, be newer to keto and your body could be not that good at utilizing ketones yet. And you'll have a high reading of BHB in your blood. I am of the belief, and I have seen this, uh, my own N equals one experiments when I was testing regularly and doing this for myself. And I've seen this with clients is that Oftentimes, now not always, we are all very bio individual. And I say that a lot. And I know it probably seems cliche, but it is very, very true. Every single person is different. We are all bio individual. And there is not a hard and fast rule for anyone and about anything, really. Um, and testing for ketones is no different. But for a lot of people, myself included, when you become fat adapted and your body is really good at utilizing ketones for fuel, when when that is its prefer, preferred fuel source and it gets really good at using them, at making them and using them, your body is, you, you or at least me, just speaking on my own, I do not get as high a reading as I used to. And I eat very ketogenic 99% of the time. I know I am fat adapted. I know my body runs on ketones. And why I think that happens and the research behind it um kind of supports this is that number one our bodies are super smart, right? So we are not going to produce more energy than what we need, what we have to, they, they are going to do the best that they can, uh, to, to do, to, um, I don't know the right word I'm trying to say. I feel like I'm like stumbling all over the place, but, um, to do the most with the least amount of work. Does that make sense? So, so like when your body becomes really good at producing, uh, energy from from fat and using ketones for energy, you're you you're not necessarily going to produce enough ketones to get a, a 3.0 reading on your keto meter. Because if you're not using, if your body doesn't need to produce that many ketones, it's not gonna do it. So maybe if you're a really, really active person and you're um, doing a whole lot of cardio stuff or, you know, I don't know. I, and I don't, I don't have any reasoning to back, I don't have anything to back this up, just my own knowledge of the human body and, and some of these studies that I've read. Then perhaps you will produce more energy and your body will make more ketones uh, preemptively because it has learned that that is where you need to be metabolically. However, if you are a person that doesn't need that many ketones and you are fat adapted and your body knows how much energy day to day that you're using, um, then it's probably going to uh, kind of titrate down the production of that energy To what it thinks you're going to use. And then if you if it needs to make more energy, if you're using more than you typically do, it can it can get that energy, it can get that energy from fat stores, it can get that energy through gluconeogenesis, it can, there are ways that your body has to do that for the on demand uh, fuel uh, needs. But preemptively, it is producing the, it is, con, you constantly need fuel. So your go, your body is constantly producing that. And so, and when you're testing, and if you test it, like um, like she says that she is, uh, can't get above a 0. 0.6 recently, I'm trying to find where she says that in here, um, or she's even getting the low reading on there, then... Um, then that doesn't mean you're not fat adapted. And it doesn't mean that you're not producing ketones. It just means, in my opinion, that your body is producing what it needs and is using what it's producing. And that's all. So some of the key things that stand out to me in this email, is she says, I am still fat adapt. Am I still fat adapted? My answer to that is I believe yes. If you are if if you because what she says is I feel like I'm reaping the benefits I still have energy I'm sleeping well etc but can't lose any more weight again losing weight or not losing weight is not indicative of being in ketosis or being fat adapted so if you have weight to lose and your body is ready to let that go then yes it may do that now in this situation one of the things and I can't I. I can't speak to this 100% because she is not my client and there are so many other factors that would play into this, but rarely do I ever see a thousand to 1200 calories being enough for any person. So when you are restricting calories, um, she says, she, let's see, she says in here, um, Oh, I'm sorry. Let me find this. She says, I'm pretty sure I don't get enough calories in, 1,000 to 1,200. So I'm assuming that that's an everyday thing, that she's getting a maximum of 1,200 calories every day. Then metabolically, your body will adjust to that. So if you're only getting 1,200 calories, there is a time and a place for calorie restriction. I'm not saying that there isn't. There are lots of studies that talk about calorie restriction. Um, for longevity, of course, calorie restriction can help with weight loss. It can help you if you hit a plateau. Um, fasting is one of my tips for um, if you 've hit a weight plateau and you feel like you know you need to do there 's something else you need to be doing, you want to spice it up. Uh, But I also talk about not doing the same thing every single day. So like for me, I like to intermittent fast just because like Jody says, you know, I'm just not hungry all the time. So, um, you know, I really do like to intermittent fast and I don't force myself to eat when I'm not hungry, but I also try to change it up and not fast the same time period every single day. Because like I said, our bodies are very smart. They will adjust metabolically, not just Per calorie wise, but they will adjust or ketone production, but they will adjust in the time frame that you are fasting. So if you are fasting every single day from 8 PM until 2 PM the next day, your body's gonna figure that out. It will figure that out and it will downregulate your metabolism during those hours. So you are going. You you need to switch it up. You need to change it up. So on the other side of that coin, it is important that you are getting enough calories. Um, calorie restriction of if you are going to have maybe lower calorie days, which I think all of us do that are keto because there are days that we're just not that hungry or whatever. I mean, there are days sometimes that I am so busy that I swear I get one meal in and it's a forced meal because by the time I'm ready to eat, I'm not even that hungry. Maybe I'm a little bit hungry. And then I'm like, wow, you know, I really need to try and get a lot of food in because I don't, you don't want to elicit that quote unquote starvation mode where you're getting a little bit of food, but not enough food to fuel your body. So it's starting to feel like, oh man, I mean, if you do that once or twice, not a big deal, right? You can do it every now and then. And your body's like, okay, that's fine. I've got plenty of reserves and it'll run off of those reserves. But if you're eating calorie restriction, if you I mean, if you're eating to like a calorie restriction, which in my opinion, a thousand to 1200 calories is probably a calorie restriction for any active woman. Um, you're, you're just eating enough calories for your body to do what it needs to get done. It is going to slow down your metabolism to accommodate that so that you are not burning extra fuel that it feels like it doesn't have to spare. So I think it's super important that if you are uh, know that you're low on calories like that, maybe on Monday, that's fine. You weren't that hungry. You had a calorie-restricted day. But on Tuesday, try really hard to get some food in, you know, maybe if you feel like you're just not hungry enough to eat meals, maybe you can add the extra calories in the way of adding some extra MCT oil to your food or some avocado oil or olive oil to your salad or some extra butter on your veggies. Um, I think it's super, super important to make sure that you really are getting in enough calories so that your body doesn't feel like it's not getting enough. Um, I see that over and over and over again, women hitting plateaus because of that. Um, Another thing that I really think is important um, and that I've seen this with myself is very often women have things going on um, hormonally. And remember, weight loss is absolutely hormonally driven process. And um, we have a lot of things going on. So, stress, she mentioned, mentions that she's stressing out about it. She's still um, tracking her macros. She's obviously weighing herself because she hasn't lost any weight. And stress is no joke, guys. Like, it is very serious. And just being stressed out about something like that can shift your hormones enough. That you will not lose weight, and not only can you can it shift them enough to not lose weight, it can shift them enough to actually gain weight. So um, you, you have to be very careful. So if if the if the measuring and the, and the testing and the weighing and the tracking is stressing you out, then I would really suggest that you take a step back, take a break from doing all of that. Just try to go with what your body feels like it needs. Try to try to eat a little more intuitively. Um, maybe try to just add a little bit, make an effort to add a little bit more fat here and there and see how you feel. See if that helps you. Another thing you could do is try a fast. Um, another thing you could do that I have found personally helps from, helps me is when I get into a place where I'm feeling like I need some carbs... I absolutely will indulge in some carbs. And I may have a day, I know it's popular to call them carb ups and this type of thing. That's fine. Call it whatever you want. Carb up, carb cycling, carb whatever. Um, But I am, like I said, I'm keto 99% of the time, but there are times when I will deliberately eat a lot more carbs than I normally do in a given day because I'm feeling like my body needs that, my hormones need that. Um, Especially if you are having adrenal or thyroid issues, um, it can be very helpful. And sometimes I won't just do it for a day. Like I know I hear people talk about, well, I just do a carb up, you know, one day a week or you know, every seventh day or every fourth day or whatever. And that's fine. I think you have to figure out what works for you. But for me, I will do a carb up, maybe two days, kind of a carb up session. Like I'll do two days in a row of eating kind of high, uh, high, you know, pretty high carbs. And I'm not talking like, you know, I don't go out and, you know, start slamming, captain crunch cereal or anything like that, but I will, um, definitely increase my tubers. I'll increase my fruit intake. Um, you know, I'll do things like that and get in a, a lot more carbs that way. Um, and then I noticed that I it kind of, uh, kind of, it's almost like a jump start to my system. Like I will feel more energized after that. I will, um, just feel better. i and I've even noticed uh, some um, weight loss after doing that, which seems very counterintuitive. I don't weigh myself, so I don't know, um, you know, pounds wise or anything like that. But I will notice on my body. I can see the difference and feel the difference. Um, maybe it is a, you know, I would, there's definitely a, a water um, component to that. So, you know, whatever it is, I know that that helps me, and I feel a little better. So. Um, That could be something that perhaps you need. If you notice that you're at a plateau, try adding a little bit of carbs in. Try doing a a higher carb day. Um, You know, like I said, maybe some tubers um, or some, you know, that type of vegetable or upping your fruit intake, you know, some uh, little little bit higher carb fruit and see how that makes you feel. See if that kind of helps you get out of that plateau and see if it helps you feel a little better. Sometimes your body just needs... You to change it up. it just needs different things, and you know all that we can't if we're just doing the exact same thing all the time, day in and day out for myself anyway, and often for clients, I just find that that isn't the best thing. It doesn't seem to be the most helpful. I need to change up my fasting, my you know, and really i don't I don't even know if it's i mean if you want to fast for a day, if you were redu or you know restricting food for a day, but um really. I I view it probably less about fasting and more about kind of time-restricted eating. So just changing your your eating window, basically, from day to day. Just kind of trying to change that up a little bit and kind of rolling with that. Okay, um, next message. This one is from Karen, and she says... Um, Hi, Jessica. I'm wondering if you could share some personal insight or wisdom about studying to be an NTP. I am a stay-at-home mom, two kids that are 16 and 11. I'm contemplating because I want to have correct knowledge and tools to help others. I'm just wondering if I will be able to handle the studying at this age. Any feedback would be appreciated. Um, She says she's 45. I'm impressed at how you handle your busy life and accomplished all this. I'm nervous and scared to take a risk, but at the same time, I feel like God put this burden and passion in my heart. Hope to hear from you. Thank you, Karen. So, Karen. Karen. Um, man, definitely resonate with that. I definitely feel like it is something God put on my heart as well. And I'm very glad that I went after it. And so I would say that if you really do feel like this is something that is being spoken to your heart, that you need to do this, and this is a path for you, then I would say, go for it. It's You, are, you will get through it. And uh, especially if it is what you are meant to be doing. I understand the hesitation for sure, and I am not going to sugarcoat this. So if you are interested, anyone listening and doing the NTA program, which is the program that I did, it's Nutritional Therapy Association, and I went for a nutritional therapy practitioner, which I am now a certified nutritional therapy practitioner and NTP. They also have a nutritional therapy consultant program, so it is a little bit less time, and it's a little less intense. You don't learn the hands-on functional. Part of it, which I will tell you, um, to me it felt like the training that we got was at. Oh, gosh, I mean, honestly, it feels like it was eighty percent functional, um, which is it's a lot of work. I mean, you are really, I mean, you really have to learn the um, the the structure of the body. You really have to learn. Um, you have to. You have. You're really. You're really learning body systems where things are located. You know your your biology. It's super super. Um, it's it is intense. It's intense to learn all of these points on your body. There are a lot of them, and pretty much every workshop is spent in intense training and instruction for the functional evaluation and the LNT portion of being a nutritional therapy practitioner. Now, of course you do learn, you know, the, um, not just the human anatomy, uh, you know, for the rest of it, but you are learning biology and physiology. And it's, um, that is very intense as well, but I feel like, um, understanding the functional evaluation is just a, a whole nother very complex level. I am super glad that I did that and that I have that training and I I am I feel like it is such an asset that honestly people don't understand how valuable or how invaluable that is to go to a nutritional therapy practitioner and have that functional evaluation performed on you is can be absolutely life changing you're no longer just throwing darts at a wall hoping to hit Something, but you are now able to actually use the body to tell you exactly what it needs and exactly what is going on. So it's a really big deal. And I can understand that because if I hadn't taken the class myself and class, you know, the schooling, um, then I probably wouldn't understand either. Um, It's really hard to understand how intense it is. Now, once you have an NTP do this functional evaluation to you and you see the results and you figure out what is going on. It is so, it's life-changing. It's so transforming. You're just like, oh my gosh, I cannot believe that you just got all of this information from my body doing this. Like it's, it's really mind-blowing. But so basically I'm saying all this to tell you that it is super intense, but it is also a really incredible skill to have. Um, and the training that the NTA gives you is really amazing. It is. Uh, I mean, it's. We we've had dietitians that have gone through this program that have said they did not learn anywhere near the level of nutritional training, um, physiology, biology, anatomy, all of it um, in their entire training. They're all of their uh, dietetics school. Um, so. And and obviously you are. That's a a lot longer program, and you are, um, you know, you're. It's a lot more expensive program, and then you are uh, part of the dietetics board, which is uh, very. Restrictive, let's say, and what you are allowed to recommend and do with, with clients. So many of us did not want to go that route and are not interested in doing that because we do not want the threat of losing our dietitian licensing if we do not follow USDA guidelines. So, um, so many of the people in the NTA uh, go, you know, specifically seek out the NTA because of the holistic and functional, approach to everything. So it's really an amazing program. Um, you know, I have five kids, uh, I am 40 years old and, um, it was a lot, you know, I, I am also a business owner. You know, we have, um, uh, several different businesses that, that we own. So, um, so it, it was a lot for me. I mean, it was a full plate and I will be honest and tell you that there were times that I was like, what, the heck am I doing? Like, why did I sign up for this? Like, I've totally overwhelmed myself. Um, I mean, prior to midterm, I was totally freaking out and thought, I, this is just crazy. I'm never going to pass this. And, you know, the studying for that was very scary, but I passed it very well. Um, you know, I, I had, um, really great scores throughout my training, my finals. Um, you know, I, I, aced parts of it and just had a couple points taken off here and there. Um, and you know, again, before the finals, I was super stressed out. I didn't know if I was going to be able to complete it. Like I, um, you know, it was, it was a lot, it was a lot of pressure because you realize how much information you, you have learned and you need to know. But I think going into it, I, I wasn't a hundred percent sure that all of the, all of the knowledge that I actually have, I wasn't a hundred percent sure it was actually in there. And so that was more of like self doubt, I think, and just, um, feeling like kind of like a fraud, like, okay, I've, you know, I really don't know any of the stuff that, that I've been doing. And, you know, I, I just, you know, just, just negativity, uh, uh um, from myself, not warranted, obviously, because the, I, obviously did know the information and it is in there and, um, but it, but it was intense. So, um, I, I can't recommend this class enough. Um, this, this certification, I think it is absolutely incredible. I do not think that there's a program out there that you are going to come away from having more knowledge of the human body and how nutrition and, um, well, nutrition specifically, as we all talk, we are talking about nutritional therapy As an NTP, but but not just nutrition, but stress and sleep and all these other elements of your lifestyle that really affects all of these systems in your body. So, um, I don't think there's a program that you're going to learn more. So, I think it is absolutely an incredible program. I think it is wise to think about the intensity of the program. But having said that, I do think that you can do it all. Um, I do think that you can be a mom and a stay-at-home mom, and uh, your kids, Karen, are a little bit older, I think 16 and 11, while I know that that still requires a lot of work. (laughs) I have a 16-year-old and 11-year-old as well. um, For me, the the hardest part was, I think, the younger kids, and then my uh, youngest daughter with the special needs, Um, just to be honest, um, because during my training, um, she she was air-cared. We spent five days in the ICU. She, she had, you know, she was in a coma, she had seizures. Um, you know, we had that go, you know, that was just prior to my midterms. And then, um, we, you know, of course she's in, she has lots of doctor's visits and therapies and things like that. So I have that added element. So, you know, I think if, you know, if you didn't have that kind of stuff going on and you, you know, it's just, a sixteen and eleven year old—they're in school all day. You certainly could use a couple of hours a day to do this. Um, I mean, there are days that that I wasn't—that I didn't even uh, open a book or look at the schoolwork. So you know, I would do it just a few days of the week. Um, and there are breaks too. You have sessions uh, throughout the year where there—you have breaks. So if you are behind, you can use those—you know—break times to actually catch up. And, um, so it's, most of it is online. And then our classroom met one night a week for, uh, two hours on a phone call, uh, or like a zoom phone call, a Skype, kind of a Skype call. So, um, you would go over things that way. And then, um, you do have projects that you have to do on your own and then take them to workshops. So that part, you know, you have book reports, you have essays. Um, but, it, it's, it is doable and you can balance it. And I would just urge you that if you are thinking about it, just go for it. I mean, I don't want to scare you off, but I also don't want to sugarcoat it. And then people get into it and go, Oh my gosh, why did Jessica cannot tell me how difficult this is? You know, make no mistake. It is going to be work. And, um, you, you cannot just glide through this. Like you do have to apply yourself and you will have to learn, uh, a whole new skill set of things. So, um, if you're worried about it, you know, the NTC, um, you're going to get, if you do the NTC, the nutritional therapy, um, uh, um, Oh, I can't even think of what it's called now. Um, <laughs> you, you can do that and you, that is a, is a less intense program. And like I said, you don't have the functional part of it. So you're still going to learn all of the nutritional therapy piece so that you're still going to get all that intense training, but it's just a little bit less. It's a not quite as um, demanding because you don't have that extra layer. So, maybe if what you're really the most interested in is just the nutritional therapy piece, and if you aren't uh, thinking that you're going to use the functional evaluation or doing the hands on portion of the nutritional therapy, then maybe you don't do the nutritional therapy practitioner part. Maybe you just do the consultant part, which is what the NTC is. So, um, so that's something to think about too and of course you can reach out to the NTA and they are more than happy to answer any questions that you have. So um so hopefully that helps you a little bit. I know I kind of rambled about this but I really am passionate about this program. I think it's really amazing and um And I just urge anybody that's thinking about it and and really has a desire to do it, to go for it, you won't be sorry. It is just amazing information and um, just truly invaluable. Um, I got another, one more, um, yeah, one more listener question. And it's basically on the same lines. This is from Tash. She says, Hi, I've always been very interested in nutrition, but since starting my keto journey at the start of the year and listening to your podcast, I've been inspired to actually work in this field and help people. Um, live great lives, so i 'm considering the NTP course via online learning with the three weekend workshops i 'm just wondering if you have any advice for prospective student essential reading, etc., before starting this. Also, how hard is it to study as a busy mom? By the way, you may find this interesting. I messaged you back in February sometime and gave you some, and you gave me some great advice about keto breath. I since found out the breath was caused by a form of lactose intolerance. Thank you, Tash. 33, mom of two from Papanoa Beach, New Zealand. Um, So, Pompamoa Beach, New Zealand. Um, So, Tash, that is... Basically everything I just said (laughs) to Karen, Um, it is an intense program. I don't know how old your kiddos are, but I do believe as a mom of two that you can do this program. And I think it's awesome that you're interested in helping people. And that's super just awesome. So and another part of this whole thing is the tribe that you become a part of. It's so it is amazing people. We're all very like minded. Everybody is kind of in this for the same a goal and that is, they have this suit, you know real interest in um, nutrition and how the body works and all this kind of stuff. We're all a little bit nerdy that way, but then we're also obviously very driven to help other people. Um, you don't go into this line of work to become you know rich; it's not going to happen. So if that's why you're looking at this, go ahead and go find something else. <laughs> um, but you can certainly make a good living at this, and you can. Um, be helping people, which you know, if you're always coming from a, a place of servanthood and um, trying to improve people's lives and just um, just be of service to other people, then this is this this is going to be awesome. You'll you'll do it well. You'll love it. Um, as far as things to actually kind of. Um, help get you started before the class. Um, yeah, you will read a lot of books, um, that you can do. And I'll be honest, um, many of us, not me, of course, (laughs) um, skim some of those books to do our book reports and, um, just kind of glean the knowledge that we need to from them. You're not tested on any of the books. Um, you're not even tested on the, um, on the human anatomy and physiology book that, uh, you know, the big college textbook that, that you, uh, use throughout the course, you're not tested uh, at midterms or finals on any of that information. Now there are quizzes on that stuff, but quizzes are open book and it's pretty, does that part's pretty easy. Um, so, so that, you know, that you don't have to like stress out about trying to read everything, but if you want to kind of get a little bit of a head start and just kind of, um, I think it's good to have some nutritional knowledge going into this. Now I was a health coach prior to starting my NTP training. So, um, I already had a really good base of nutritional information and, and wellness. You know, I was very wellness minded and, um, had, was already working with clients on that type of thing. So, um, so I think it's good to go into it with some knowledge because otherwise if you don't kind of hit the ground running, you're gonna be, I think I think you would, it's gonna feel like you're hit by a Mack truck. <laughs> um, Cause it is a lot of information and there is a lot that is, They. I think they kind of infer that you already know some of the basics. Um, so uh, some good reading. Um, many. I think every one of these that I'm gonna tell you are required reading. They were from my program and you will do book reports on these but they um they could change this you know they change every now and then they change the criteria and they change the you know what they're doing um but for when i did my training um here are some suggestions for some books that you could read and then that way when you are in the class you won't have to completely reread them you could just skim them if you need to um to kind of uh, remember, and then you can do your book reports and whatnot. And these will also give you a very good basic understanding to go into the class with. And many of these are available on Audible. So if you're like me, I don't really read a lot of books anymore. I just don't have a lot of time to do it. So I like to listen a lot to Audibles. Um, so one is, and I don't have the authors on all these because I just scratch these down from memory. Um, Sally Fallon, I think, is um, this one. It's Nourishing Traditions. Um, That is an excellent book. I really enjoyed reading that. Again, Nourishing Traditions. Uh, Stomach Acid is or Why Stomach Acid is Good for You. That's another book that you could get that was required reading. Uh, Another required reading for me was Adrenal Fatigue, the 21st Century Stress Syndrome. Again, fascinating book. Um, Will change the way you look at a lot of things in health and wellness, so that I recommend. Um, The Omnivore's Dilemma was another one. Um, And I actually bought that book. I bought the the kids, they have a kids, a young readers version. And I bought the young readers version for my son, uh, my 12 year old, and he read that book. And he really enjoyed it. And it, it had a, it sparked a lot of conversations between him and I, because uh there were a lot of things that he didn't understand about our food supply and how things are grown and how things go and and kind of toward the end of that book he didn't care for it very much and he had some differing opinions which i really appreciated that he was thinking for himself and um i agree with him there are many parts of that book that i don't necessarily agree with and uh you know i i feel a little bit differently But I think it is a really good book to read and will really give you perhaps a whole different perspective on on our food supply chain and how all of that works. Um, Another great one is Put Your Heart in Your Mouth. Um, That is a really good read and really helps you understand um, heart health and just how many things go into that and how we've gotten it so wrong. Um, Another one is Eat the Yolks um, eat the yolks like egg yolks, um, was another one. So those are ones that I would say would be really good to go ahead and read. And then you will have a great understanding and then you can move to the book reports, um, very easily that way. So that is the last of my listener questions for this episode. And we have run to just about an hour. So, um, I think that's really good. Um, One more final announcement before I let you guys go. If you do follow my social media pages, well, this one is just on Instagram, um, then you will know that today, uh, the day that this releases, which is Tuesday, August 21st, and it is the day I'm recording it. So um, we are doing a giveaway for the Keto Mojo. Um, So I have teamed up with Keto Mojo, and we are offering a free Blood, glucose, and ketone um, meter. So you can do your, like I was talking about earlier in the beginning of the podcast um, with Jody, who was talking about testing and doing all of this. This is the meter that she was talking about, the Keto Mojo. It is the one that I use personally. And I love it I think it's very easy. I don't test regularly much anymore um, but I will for ketones but I will test blood glucose here and there especially if I change it up and eat something a little bit differently than I did or or I'm um, you know feeling a little bit off or something I like to test my blood glucose and see where that's at so I think it's a really good idea to know um, kind of where you fall in the range on blood glucose. You should know that and kind of know how foods affect you. And, uh, I think it's a really good idea. So anyway, if you want to uh, run over to my Instagram page, you can enter to win this, uh, keto mojo. The contest is only open to U S res- residents. Sorry guys, but I am mailing it out. And, um, I do that on my own dime and mailing it. Um, overseas can be very costly. So, um, unfortunately at this time, this is only available to U S residents, but if you want to enter to win, you just need to like the post on my Instagram page and follow, make sure you're following keto mojo as well as myself, and then tag a friend and you can tag a friend, um, and as you know, one friend per comment, and that will get you multiple entries into the drawing. And I also want to mention that if you, um, Uh, don't win the contest or if you just cannot um, wait to, to be entered into that drawing and you really want to go get your Keto Mojo today, then I do have a link for you that you, um, in full disclosure, it is an affiliate link. So, um, I have teamed up with them to offer you guys 15% off of your order at Keto Mojo. So you can follow, there is a link that I put in my, um, Instagram, uh, profile. So you can go there and pull that off there if you'd like, or you can just type in, um, it's a bit.ly link. So it is, um, HTTP and then colon forward slash forward slash B I T dot L Y forward slash two. That's the number two N R G P P Z. So again, that is bit.ly forward slash 2nrgp, as in pets, p, z. And uh, that will get you to the page, um, to my affiliate page, where you can then get your um, 15% off of your order. And I will draw a winner for this um, on Friday morning. So that is Friday, August 24th. Uh, I will draw the winner. So make sure to check back on Instagram. I do post the winner, the winning name on the post. And then I will also send you uh, a DM for uh, to let you know that you won. And then all you need to do is send me your U.S. address. And I will get this monitor out to you. So good luck, guys. And, um, so that is at that keto blonde is my Instagram. And if you want to follow me on Facebook, you can do that as well. I'm face it's facebook.com forward slash Jessica Thai nutrition And let's see if you have any questions or would like to send in a listener question, you can do that. My, I prefer email. It's really hard for me to keep track of all these different messages and messaging systems all over. So I really do just prefer to get the emails that way I can drop them into a folder. And I am able to go to that folder to, to, to read the listener questions. And that is um, Jessica at Jessica That's how you can reach me via email and again, if you have any questions on coaching, feel free to reach out. I am happy to send you um, coaching packages and information. And then um, I think that is about it. I keep feeling like I'm forgetting something that I wanted to discuss with you guys, but I don't remember what it would be. So I guess that's going to be it for today. Um, If you have any show suggestions, um, topics that you'd like to discuss, people you'd like me to interview, um, please send those my way. I can't promise that I'll be able to do them or get them done, but um, I would love to try and accommodate as many of those as possible. I want to put out what you guys want to listen to. All right. Well, that's all I have then for today, guys. So I hope you have an awesome week and I'll talk to you soon. Bye bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Keto Lifestyle Podcast. We hope that you enjoyed what we shared with you today and are looking forward.